Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. Thanks, Shelly. And thanks, Shelly, and you guys for putting the service together. And the music that we chose, you notice that last hymn was from the uh, hymn book, the chorus book, Songs or Hymns for the Young. And I really appreciated the music this morning. The, that last song we sang is uh, a song in our family that's been sung at our, our weddings, my in-laws' weddings, my mom's uh, funeral, my installation as pastor here. It's kind of our family uh, anthem. And uh, it's a beautiful song. God leads us. And then earlier we, uh, you know, we sang Jehovah Jireh, God will provide. And, you know, that, that comes right out of the scriptures where Abraham was going to offer his son Isaac. That unbelievable story of how he could do that was going was gonna to slay his son and burn him as an offering. And God provided the lamb as a substitute sacrifice. And afterward, Abram gave that place a name, and he called it Jehovah Jireh, Yahweh Hireh, the Lord will provide. And today it was said, on this mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. God provides, God protects, God sustains, and God leads us. Amen? Now, I I wonder, uh, of course, we're all uh, know what's going on this afternoon, for the most part, I assume. And I think most of you, if you you saw this uh, somewhere... Uh, you would recognize this, right? You don't have to clap. That's a <laughs> Sorry, I'm a mess up here. Um, uh, there's one person not clapping here today. Um, it's a friend of ours who's visiting from Denver. I'm not going to embarrass him, but uh, uh, we welcome and we welcome him as well. We are. <laughs> he was actually president. He was actually president of the youth group when I was a junior in high school. And uh, good memories, good memories. And uh, so that, don't take any pictures now and put it on Facebook, all right? <laughs> don't do that, it's illegal. And so, but uh, this, this is copyrighted and it's owned by a company in, in Texas, you all know that. Um, so, but it, if, uh, I'm assuming, I don't, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but I'm assuming probably everybody here recognizes this, right? You, you know, we were downtown yesterday and looked up on the huge bank building downtown. It's a huge, I don't know how they got it up there, on about the floor, 58th floor or something. It's huge. It's all over the place. And uh, you would be uh, hard-pressed uh, to not know what that means. You know, we have a we have a, a, there's actually some, uh, a personal stake in this game today. Uh, my friends Dan and Marcy Toll, if you don't mind me saying, uh, they got called by the city of Seattle, and I don't know if they're bi- they build bicycles and custom paint them. And uh, maybe you've seen that as uh, part of the uh, deal between the mayors, that uh, uh, if, if, uh, if they win, if Denver wins, we are going to give them a bicycle that Dan and Marcy painted, a Seahawk bicycle. And uh, with Seahawk logos on it, I said, if you, want to see a picture, if you want to see a picture of it, Nick's got it on his phone, he showed it to me today. And so they get salmon, they get a bicycle, and the Space Needle, I don't know what else they get, but anyway, so, so then, uh, so it's kind of a win-win situation, because if we win, the bike gets to stay here, and uh, maybe for fundraising or something, good cause. 
If they win, then the mayor of Denver has to ride a bike with Seahawk colors and logos all over it, all over Denver. And so that's good too. And in fact, if they happen to win today, then I'm sure my friend from Denver here would be more than willing to write it down there and deliver it to the mayor of Denver. So we got this all worked out. So it's great. But you would be hard-pressed to not know, but it's because the reason... Now, if somebody came to Seattle today that had absolutely no connection with what's going on, and I'm thinking, let's think of our friend uh, Kennedy from Africa, or, you know, has been here and preached and so on. You know, if he came to Seattle, he's a, he's a huge soccer fan. Um, he came here today and saw all these number 12s. It would mean nothing to him because it's all about context, Right? Number 12 can mean all sorts of things. In fact, somebody put on the internet, you know, that Jesus had 12 men too. You know, 12 apostles, you know, 12 men. Um, so it, it, it just it could mean anything. But given the context of what's been happening here in Seattle, it has a whole different meaning for us. And we are very, we are very familiar with it when we see this sign. I could go to another city, and I'm sure they're doing things in Denver and different places that... That just wouldn't make any sense to me because I don't know the context. And we so often tell you when we're studying the Bible together that, well, you all know the mantra in real estate is what? Location, location, location. And some have compared that in the Bible and said that the, the theme should, we should keep in mind is context, context, context. And so as you open your Bibles this morning to Galatians chapter 5, and we continue our, our study from Galatians. Pastor Gary spoke on worship last week. And uh, this week we're going to continue our study from Galatians 5. And I just want to point out to you that this well, pretty well-known passage of Scripture, but I want you to remember the context, the context from which we find it and where it fits into the life of the church in Galatia and to the church in America and around the world today. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we open your word, we do pray that uh, your word would be heard this morning, that we would hear your word, and Lord, uh, it would mean something to us. We would think about it and contemplate it, and that we would walk by your word and live by your word uh, in this week to come. And we pray this in Christ our Savior's name. Amen. So the context, where we left off two weeks ago, actually it was three weeks ago, because um, we were we had communion two weeks ago, and so it was three weeks ago where we left off, and I just wanted to remind you, in, in chapter 5, in verse 15, the last verse that we read there was, Paul writes to the Galatians, and it, the Galatia is an area, so it's probably to a, an area of churches. Uh, he may have one particular congregation in mind, but it's an area, and he says this, If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. Now that's very serious language. And that's pretty strong language, right? I mean, if I said that to you today, you'd kind of like, whoa, what's going on at Berea? And if I said, you, you people, if, if you don't quit eating each other up and spitting each other out, you're going you're gonna to destroy each other. I mean, that would be the kind of thing we would talk about in a very you know, dangerous and, and, and dramatic situation if that was going on. And incidentally, if you're visiting with us today, uh, that is not going on, okay? And it just so happens this is the passage that we're in, okay? Um, uh, but it's always a danger. And, and, and we all know our human nature so well that we understand 
and and some have been through this, and we know that we know what this is. We know what this means. And so this is the context of the passage we're going to look at this morning about the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I want you to remember the context because in our culture, we're so individualistic that so often when we read, when we read through the epistles, we're always thinking in terms of how it applies to me individually. And then that's true. But anything that applies to me individually applies to you individually. And together, as individuals, we make up this local assembly. And local assemblies together make up the worldwide body of Christ. And so when Paul writes this, and what we're going to look at in verses 16 and following, I want you to remember this is written to the body. This is written to the church, not just individuals. It is written to individuals, but also to the church. Because they have a situation where what's been going on is at the point, is at the point, a very critical point, where Paul says, if you don't stop this, you are going to destroy the church in Galatia. You're going you're to destroy it. You're going to ruin it by how you treat each other. So we come to verse 16 then. In our English translation, the NIV I'm reading says, So I say... And some of the authors that I read this week you know, suggested that maybe we would include the phrase, maybe a better phrase might be in, in the vernacular, uh, here is my advice in light of this. In light of what we're talking about, here's my advice. Here's what I suggest to you. Here's what I want you to know. Here's what you are to do in light of this situation that you're destroying each other. My advice is this. Live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Because what they are doing to each other are desires of the sinful nature, destroying one another. The background, as we've studied this, just to give you a little reminder, is we go back to verse 7. We looked at it a few weeks back. You were running a good race. You know, I just want to throw in here, you know, I know we have a lot of fun with the Super Bowl and the sports and everything, and... But uh, it's, it's just interesting that actually Paul, uh, one of his most, favorite me- his most favorite metaphors and often used metaphors are sports metaphors. He was, he was uh, a sports fan, I guess you could say. He uses them all the time. And it was very prevalent in the Greco-Roman world that he came from. And he was very familiar. And here's one here. It says, you were running a good race. It's one of Paul's many sports metaphors that he uses. So I'm sure he'd enjoy the football game today as well if he was here. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? And so, you know, they they began well. They began well. They were running the race well. Things were going good for the Galatian churches. And we talked about this a few weeks ago, this idea of who cut in on you. It's like that picture I showed, you know, of someone jumping in and running in the middle of a race and, and knocking somebody down or something. And what the background remember was, that they were being invaded by those who were coming and, and saying, yes, you are saved by grace, you are saved by faith, but you know you must keep the Mosaic law as well. You must keep purification. You must practice circumcision. You, know, you must keep kosher. You must do these things. We all know that that is part of being a genuine Christian. These were people who were not saying Christianity is wrong. They were saying it must be combined with this legalism. This legalism. This is what's going on there. And on the opposite extreme, you had in the Roman world, we know from the book of Romans, on the opposite extreme, you had those who were saying, 
Um, you know, remember those songs, uh, I was thinking deep in sin, far from the sin. I was thinking deep in sin, whoopee, you know, that kind of thing. You know, you know, oh boy, we can sin all we want. We can sin all we want because we're saved by grace and it doesn't matter. So whoopee, let's, let's sin. And you had that extreme too. So you had these two extremes. And this was, this was coming into the church and especially in this case, the legalism. The legalism that said you must obey the Mosaic law along with the faith in Jesus Christ. And Paul says, you are running well. Somebody cut in on you. Somebody has changed this. Somebody, you got off to a, a good start. And this is, this is, the, this is the context. And so his, his answer is, my advice to you is, live by the Spirit, verse 16, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. The sinful nature. Now, this is what we want to talk about this morning. Because this, this is on one hand, is a very simple topic, a very um, bedrock, foundational topic to the Christian faith, living by the Holy Spirit. But on the other hand, there is a certain confusion or a little bit of vagueness about it too for a lot of people. What does that mean? You know, I could tell you today, listen, you need to live by the Holy Spirit. And, and the question, well, how, how do you do that? You know, and, and in one extreme, I mean, I know that when I was growing up, there was a pretty popular phrase that was used quite often, as to let go and let God go. Let go and let God go. And I know what, I know what that, I think I know what that means, what they're saying. But on the other hand, you also have epistles written by the apostles, and in this case, the Apostle Paul, who constantly uses imperatives. And just to remind you, an imperative is a, is a command. You know, if I said you stand now, I'm telling you, stand up. Okay? It's an, it's an imperative. You know, wash your hands. That's an imperative. You know, do the dishes. Do this. You know, practice your math. This is, this is an imperative. And you have here an imperative. So on one hand, yes, it is, it is letting God control us, but you also have these imperatives that tell us, do this. And in this particular case, the Apostle Paul says to the Galatians, here's my advice, I say to you, walk by the Spirit. And that is the word that's used there. It's, we've, we've talked about this quite often because whenever you study Paul's epistles, this is one of his, his favorite sayings. The Greek word, I've mentioned before, it's this word peripateo, and it means to walk around. That's, that's what it means, walk around. And it's a Hebraism. It comes from the Hebrew halach, which means to walk. And the Hebrews use this language in Paul's, in Paul's culture. The Jews talk this way. To walk, meaning we, we talk about our Christian walk, right? We're talking about our Christian life. And so that's why the translation uses the word life here, how you live. Because the implication is when Paul says, this is how you are to walk. The implication is this is how you are to live your life. But it's an imperative. Walk by the Holy Spirit. Do this. Do this. Walk by the Holy Spirit. And if you do this, you will find you will not be satisfying or gratifying the desires of the sinful nature. And especially in this case... What are the desires of the sinful nature? They are biting and devouring one another. They are destroying God's work, His church. They are gossiping about each other. They are being mean to each other. 
they are dividing up into factions in the church and divisions. And one group saying, well, you know what that group is doing. And their group saying, well, you know what that group is doing. And, it, and it's divisive and it's splitting and it's hurting people. And it's, and it's hurting God's name in the, in the cities and towns in which they live. And Paul says the solution to this, Galatians, all of you, walk by the Spirit. And you won't be doing this. This won't be happening. Walk by the Spirit. And this can apply to all, all the areas of our life. And you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. How did they get the Holy Spirit? How did they first get the Holy Spirit? Paul reminds them in chapter 3. We looked at this in our Sunday school class. But in chapter 3 and in verse 2 and 3, Paul asks the people this question. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Chapter 3, verse 2. Did you receive the Spirit? That's the Holy Spirit. Did you get it by observing the law? Or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish after beginning with the Spirit? Spirit, Are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? So Paul reminds them in this, in this epistle that they received the Spirit by faith. And by faith, they became children of Abraham. He clearly says that in Galatians and Romans. And we do not shy away from saying that. From a dispensational viewpoint, which we bring to the Scriptures, all who come by faith are children of Abraham. We are not children of the new covenant with the household of Israel, but with the covenant in his blood. And we are children of Abraham because we've come by faith. And Abraham is the father of all who come by faith. And Paul says, how did you start out? You started out, you received the Spirit, not by working, not by earning, not by doing things. You received the Spirit by faith, through God's grace. This is the solution. Therefore, continue to walk in it. It's a matter of will and obedience. In fact, Paul says here, when he, when he says in chapter 5, that you are to do this. And he says, if you do this, and he uses a double negative, you will not, never, I mean, the, the word, the, the negative appears twice in there. No, not never. You know, you will not never, if you could say, if, if I could say that, although it's not, probably doesn't sound right, but that, you would not never gratify the desires of the sinful nature, especially how you are treating each other. Walk by the Spirit. Now look at the next verse. And this is, I want to remind you, this is written to believers. This is written to the church. He's not writing to non-believers. He's writing to the church at Galatia made up of Christian believers. I am a Christian believer. I trust you are all Christian believers. And as Christian believers, this is something that we can relate to. And look what Paul says in verse 17. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary or against the spirit. And the spirit, what is contrary or against the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so you do not do what you want. Now, some could look at that and see a real sort of defeatism. Well, I mean, so we're doomed to lose. Because he says there's a conflict going on. The, the, the flesh, there, and, and, and that's the word that's used here, flesh. In Paul's writings, when he uses this term flesh, it's talking about the human nature. It's, it's talking about, there's something about the flesh where sin still resides. 
I am a Christian. I've been a Christian since I was a young boy when I received Christ at camp. I became a new creation. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians says, Behold, we are a new creation. I'm a new creation. I'm not half old and half new. I'm not split 50-50. Half means old creation. Half means new creation. The Bible says, I am a new creation. But this new creation is still in the flesh, and there is something about the flesh where sin resides. And so, at our church, we do not teach the doctrine of sinless perfection. There are, those, there are Christians who teach that. We do not teach that it is possible in this life to ever eradicate sin from my life completely. We should be growing. We should be having victory. We should be making progress. We should be maturing in our walk. But we are still sinful human beings. But I'm a new creation. And, and what Paul says here, that the, 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 na- the sinful nature, the flesh, this word flesh, is contrary to the spirit. Spirit is contrary to the flesh. So we do not do what we want. Now, and now I, you know what? This is one of those things that, you know, I think, all, you know, um, you know, think about that famous Supreme Court. I don't know if it's folklore. I don't know exactly what was said, you know, but talking about obscenity and so forth and trying to decide what's, you know, what's art. And what's obscenity? And his response was, well, yeah, well I know it when I see it. <laughs> you know, I know it when I see it. And that makes perfectly good sense because everybody knows what he's talking about. Everybody knows exactly what he means. I know it when I see it. And, and, and that's what this is here. You, you know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm talking about. There is this struggle in our... We are not perfect in our humanity. We are tempted. Jesus Christ was tempted. Temptation is not a sin. But he never sinned. We continue to be tempted. We continue to live in the flesh. And we, we know very well about this battle. We all do. Every one of us. And it's to the point that sometimes people feel guilty to say, well, I must be the only one struggling with sin. Uh, Paul, he's talking to Christians here. But notice how he ends this, though. He, he, he doesn't end it with, you cannot do what you want. He ends it with, but if you are led by the Spirit... You are not under the law. You are not under the law if you are led by the Spirit. So we have these two thoughts here. The first one is walk, peripateo, walk according to the Holy Spirit. But understand you are being led by the Holy Spirit. Almost like, you know, when Indianapolis 500 comes around this year, there will be a pace car That is part of the race. It starts the race. It is the pace car. It leads the race. But in that that case, of course, it gets out of the way. But the idea is is that there is is something in front of you. You are not left on your own to just figure out how to walk by the Spirit. You follow the Spirit. But it's this combination. Do this. You know, walking walking, uh, takes effort. You have to get up. You have to do it. You have to get out of your chair and you have to do it. I have a little pad of cartoons for each day uh, of the day, and I, I picked up, you know, and the one from the other day is kind of funny. There's a guy sitting there at a, at a he's getting his um, physical, and he's sitting there, you know, with his shirt off and so on, getting his physical, and, and the doctor looks at him and says, uh, is there any history of physical activity in your family? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and... Uh, um, you know, you have to get up and do it. But you follow. You don't have to just get up and figure out, now what do I do now? Where do I? No, you have the Holy Spirit. 
And you all know what I'm talking about. In, in, in Galatia, they knew what Paul was talking about. When I, if I was in that Galatian church and I was tempted to start backbiting and talking about that group over there, and you know what they're saying, and you know what that person, you know what they did, did to me, you know, and, and, and the Holy Spirit says, you shouldn't be saying that. You shouldn't be saying that. That's the leading of the Holy Spirit. You know that's wrong. You know you're not working toward unity. You know you're not trying to build up one another. That's the Holy Spirit talking to you. You've got to make a decision. You all know what I'm talking about. You, you know it. And, and Paul says here, walk and be led, but follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. This is the solution. Now look at, here, look at the alternative. Here's the alternative. He says here, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. Because, and we're going to come back to this at the very conclusion, law can't do this for you. The works of the law cannot lead you in this era where it is now the era, this dispensation of the church, the body of Christ, this age of grace, in the sense that we are saved apart from the law. The law had nothing to do with your coming to Christ. So the law can have nothing to do with leading you. It's not going to do it. It can't help you. But the Holy Spirit can. And look, look what he says here. Here's the alternative. The sinful nature. Now I want you to pay careful attention because some of these are more obvious and ones that we would latch on to right away and say, well, yeah. But look at all of them. The acts, the results of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery. I mean, that's a strong word, debauchery. You don't, how often have you used that word this week? Debauchery. Idolatry. Witchcraft. Hatred. Discord. Jealousy. Jealousy in the same category as debauchery and witchcraft? Huh? Jealousy? Jealousy? Fits of rage? Well, that's just the kind of person I am. I have a temper. Well, stop it. Paul says, fits of rage? That's, the, that's, that's typical of the old nature that doesn't have the Holy Spirit. Selfish ambition? Selfish ambition? dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, and orgies, and the like. I'm not going to comment. I mean, I think they speak for themselves. I'm not going to take those one by one and deal with them. I think this speaks for itself. This is the result of living a life that is not part of being led by the Holy Spirit. This is where it will lead. This is where it will lead. It can lead it as individuals, and it can lead there culturally as well. In fact, look what Paul says. This is strong, my friends. I warn you, Galatians, as I did before. I'm not, this is the first time I've told you this. Those who live like that and like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, that's pretty strong. And my response to that is, a person who lives in that lifestyle continually is evidencing that they don't have the Holy Spirit. I don't think Paul is saying that as a Christian, as a believer, if you choose to get involved in that, you lose your salvation. I think it's evidence. The evidence is the normal thing is for Christians and believers over the long term. Yes, people go through times in their life where they, where they, they struggle with it. They, deny the, they, they don't follow the Holy Spirit. They deny His leadership. But in the long run, you know, this is the way we're supposed to live is in the, through the Spirit, which we're going to talk about next week. 
If this characterized my lifestyle on a regular, everyday basis, year after year after year after year, I think you would have a right to say, well, Pastor Jim, do you really know Christ? Because this is not normal. This is not normal. This is not how Christians are to live. And it evidences someone who is not going to inherit the kingdom of God. The acts of sinful nature. The reality of the conflict. What, what, what do we do? How, how are we led by the Spirit? We walk after His lead. The flesh cannot do it, and the law cannot do it for us, but the Holy Spirit can. And I want to, I'm not going to belabor this, but I would like you just to look at Romans 8. Now, you can take this home with you and just spend some time yourself reading this. Because Galatians 5 and Romans 8 really go hand in hand. You know, they're, they're, they're close, you know, in time of Paul's ministry. This is, you know, the, the, the middle, middle part of Paul's ministry. It's not the prison epistles and later. Um, this is something he's speaking strongly about. But Romans 8, which is a passage that, you know, is just a fabulous passage of Scripture. And not that anyone is more than others, but this is an amazing passage of Scripture that we use so often. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because to the Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life has set me free from, chapter 8, verse 2, the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, and that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did it by sending His own Son a likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. This whole idea of the atonement, this, this doctrine, this teaching of the atonement of Jesus Christ is essential. Yes, doctrine's important. You need to understand this. When Christ died on the cross, He became an atonement. He became a substitute. He, he became the sacrifice. He died in my place. And then verse 5, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds, it's the same type of language. And those who live according to the Spirit have their minds to them with the Spirit. And look at verse 6. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled. Paul says in Galatians, to be led by the Spirit. Paul says here, it is controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Verse 9, now look at this. See, this is where we find this balance of, well, if I work hard enough, can I figure this out? Can I get the Holy Spirit? No, Paul says, you, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. When you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the agent, is, you know, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, all three equally God. It is the Holy Spirit that convicts of sin that enlightens to the gospel. It's the Holy Spirit that enlivens and actually turns you from death into life. It is the sacrifice of Christ that is the, that is the, 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 aid, the means. It is the Holy Spirit that is the agent of the Godhead that actually comes into your life and, and seals you in the Holy Spirit. You become a Christian. You become a new person, a new creation by the power of the Holy Spirit that comes and dwells within and lives within you. It is the Holy Spirit that is permanently in you. It is the Holy Spirit that daily leads you. The Holy Spirit that convicts you. And we all know this. When you are tempted to say or do something that you know is not pleasing to God, it is the Holy Spirit that reminds you constantly, no, that's, that's not a way to please God. That's not how believers should live. And you can follow that leading. We can choose to follow that leading. 
But you, you can't work up the Holy Spirit. It is given to you. And in verse 10, if Christ is in you, believer, he's talking to believers, your body is dead because of sin. Not, he's talking to people who are alive. But their body is dead because of sin. It's in the flesh. Yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. Now look at verse 11. This is the eschatological part. This is the end time part of it. This is why it's guaranteed. This is a fact. If the spirit or since the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living continually, living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who lives in you. You see, this is all tied to this guarantee. This is a guarantee that when I die and my body is placed in the ground from which it came, there is a time coming where the Holy Spirit that lives in me right now is going to enliven my body that Paul says is already dead because of sin. This body that you're looking at right now is not fit for heaven. It is not going to work in heaven because it is, it is sinful as part of... But when God changes it, I'm still going to be me and you're still going to be you. It is an amazing miracle. It's a fascinating miracle. But that's the truth. And it's because of the certainty of that end, that truth, that I am already living in the Spirit and I already have victory over the flesh. Even though the battle day in and day out, there, 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 I don't always live that way, but I do have the guaranteed victory because of the Holy Spirit. This is so important, my friends. We can have this victory. I want to close with this. I, I really love this. I really love this quote from. Um, this is from Longnecker's. I, I like to give credit from his commentary on Galatians. The interesting thing is he quotes. Another author, and in our reading um, Weiss uh, on Galatians, some of you have that, uh, that commentary, he says the exact same thing. So I'm not sure who originated it, but, but I want to read this to you. Here's the solution. Here's the deal. At Galatia, the Judaizers, those who were insisting on legalism of the law, they argued that the Christian had two options. One, a lifestyle governed by the Torah, by the law. Yes, you're a Christian, but you must live your life according to the God's Old Testament law. Purity, circumcision, kosher, you must do these things. And if you don't, you are not a full-class Christian. That was one option. They said, you either have that option, or your option is libertine. Antinomianism, it's called. The idea then, okay, if, that's, if you're not going to choose option one then you have to choose option two. And option two is you're just free to live a sinful life, do whatever you want, it doesn't matter, and it's a disgrace. And that's what they were trying to teach. Listen, Christians, you have this option, one or two. And Longnecker says, the gospel has to do with a third way of life that is distinct from legalism and libertinism. Not one that takes a middle course. And that's our problem. We try to find this middle course between legalism and living free. We try to find this middle ground, this middle course. I like what he says here. And we says the same thing. The Christian option is a highway above them 
both. It is a highway above. It is not one or the other. It is not trying to figure out. It is a highway above both of them. And it is this. Openness to the Holy Spirit and being guided by the Holy Spirit. Being in Christ. You know what the other side of this sign says? I'm in. I'm not quite as sure where that came from. I'm sure somebody will tell me after the service. But I'm in. Um, most of us today are in. <laughs> There's a few who are in somewhere else. Okay, But I'm in. Openness to the Spirit. Being guided by the Spirit. Being in Christ means neither legalism, libertinism, but it means a quality of life based in and directed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, now listen to this, and I'll close with this. The Holy Spirit enables us to know God's will, to know His value. And the Holy Spirit gives us the power and enables us to do the right thing. It is a gift from God. And friends, back to the context, the way for a church to be healthy, the way for your family to be healthy, the way for your relationships to be healthy, is to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and to get up and walk. And you're going to have that choice before this day is out. I can guarantee you to say or to do what pleases God. You can do it. I can do it. I can say no and I can say yes because the power of the Holy Spirit and the leading of the Holy Spirit and the glory goes to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is good. There's one thing for God to say, do this, go figure it out. It's all here. It's all here. Let's close our service. We're going to actually we're going to sing a hymn before we have our closing prayer that's so appropriate. John's going to come and lead us in this uh, hymn. Lead me, Lord. sharing with the family of God. Your presence here is a ministry to others. God bless you. Have a good day. Enjoy the game. Remember, it's just a game, guys. It's only a game. I'm not pointing at you, Casey. I'm pointing the guys next to you. It's only a game. Have fun. Enjoy it. Have a good day. And uh, come back and join us uh, next Sunday morning for Sunday school and church as we continue to celebrate each day, each Sunday, the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Thanks for the music this morning. Very, very meaningful and uh, such an important part of our service. Father, we thank you for your leadership today, for the Holy Spirit, Lord. We, we thank you that you did not leave us as orphans and, and save us and leave us on our own. Uh, we are yours now. It is guaranteed. Uh, the victory is won. Satan has already been defeated. Death has been defeated. The battle still plays out. But we know how the story ends. We know how the story ends. And we are part of that story. 
And we, we, by humbleness, I just thank you today because we know it's not because we're so smart or we're so great or we're so righteous. It's because we are sinners saved by grace. And Father, it's my prayer as we leave this place this morning, if there be one person here who has never received Christ as Savior, and the things I'm talking about, maybe the Holy Spirit is speaking to their heart today and saying, wouldn't you like to live this way? Wouldn't you like to know that you have eternal life? Wouldn't you like to know that you will be in heaven forever with God's family? Wouldn't you like to know Jesus Christ? And wouldn't you like to have the Holy Spirit become part of your life to enable you to walk with God and to live a life with joy and peace? Not always happiness, but joy and peace. If that person, Lord, even right now is, is giving thought to that, I just pray that they would open their heart and just simply say yes. Yes to God. And friend, if that's you this morning, I just want to take this moment and just ask you, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you receive forgiveness for sins and receive Christ's payment for your sin? He died on the cross in your place. And it's God's grace that He's willing to give you salvation if you'll accept Jesus Christ's payment for your sin and say yes to God. We leave this place in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, all God's people can say it together. Amen. Amen.